I'm going to do something a little bit different. You have a handout, and it's a song that we're going to do for the Song of Reflections. It gives you the words. And along with that, you're going to see a lot of scripture verses. So it's not really something that you can use right now to follow along with my sermon, but it is something that I want you to have in your hands and that you can take with you. Um, if you are somebody who takes notes during the sermon, then this would be a good spot to take the notes. But I'm doing something a little bit different in that I'm taking the words of a song and I am attaching scripture to them. So I'm going to start off with the question, who is God to you? What I'd like for today is that this is a very personal message for you. Who is God to you? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have in you. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness, and respect. This verse has been resonating with me for quite some time. I'm going to say five or six weeks. And any time that God deposits a verse like that in me, and it just keeps coming back to mind. I've heard it in Bible study. I've heard it um, in conversations that Brad and I have had. I've had conversations with a random number of people, and we keep coming back to this verse. So clearly there is something that God wants me to take a look at, In this verse. And I'm going to be honest, I thought that meant that God was just going to bring a flood of people who were asking me, why do you believe? Because that seems the most logical. I need to be ready to give anyone an answer for that hope. But as I was driving home from Bay City early this week, a song came on the radio by Chris Tomlin. And it was like all at once God downloaded to my spirit what he wanted to say to me about this verse. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, including yourself, who asks the reason for the hope that you have. And do it with gentleness and respect. So often I think about everybody else, but I forget about me. So this time I think that it's time for us to really take a look at what do we think when we're asked the question, who is God to me? Personally, every single one of us has to answer that question for ourselves. And there are times in everybody's life that we ask the question, is God really for me? Is he really there? Why am I going through this? What is going on? It's supposed to be, if God is for me, who can be against me? But if everything is against me, then is God for me? We ask those questions of ourselves. And sometimes we need to know The answer, what is the reason for the hope that I have in me? And we have to tell ourselves that answer. It's not just for everyone else. 
So as this song was playing, I felt God just giving me verse upon verse from the scripture that backed up what was happening within the song and how I could encourage myself and come back to that reason, who is God to me. Verse 1, some people think you're distant, just some words on a page, that you're nothing more than fables handed down along the way. I know the Bible is not just words on a page. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Take that personally. Do you know that the Word of God is alive and active in your own heart? That it is sharp enough to penetrate the joints and the marrow and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of my own heart, my thoughts, my attitudes. When I question sometimes, I have to come back to, I know the Word is alive and active. But I'm not always paying attention to my thoughts and my attitudes. And God's word will divide between the good and the not so good thoughts and attitudes that run through my heart and my mind. What if here I changed the words just a little bit and said, sometimes I think you're distant and just some words on a page that you moved in the lives of old stories handed down along the way. Because honestly, sometimes that's how I feel. That God isn't close to me. I feel like he's too busy and there are more important things than me for him to worry about. So God brought me to Romans 8. It is full of scripture that speaks directly to this. Romans 8.1 starts off, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I can even read that. The Spirit who gives life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with himself, graciously give us all things? Verse 33, pay close attention to this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Who is the one who condemns? Who do we automatically give credit to condemning in our world? Satan. How many of you, that's the first thing that went through your head. And how many of you know he does not condemn us nearly as much as we condemn ourselves? We are our own worst enemy more often than not. There's a lot of times Satan doesn't have to do any work at all for a week or a month at a time in my world because I'm too busy doing it myself. 
And he knows he's got me spiraling, so he can just be like, eh, I can take my hand off that one because she's doing a great job. But this says, who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? No one. Not even me. I don't get to condemn myself for things that I'm doing or not doing or thinking or not thinking. Because it is God who has justified me. It is Jesus who died on my behalf. So how can I go against what God's Word has said? And then I come to the verse or set of verses that I love in Romans 8. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me, Nancy Williams, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Every one of us has the ability to put our name in that spot. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If you haven't had time to memorize that, I would strongly suggest you do. And personalize it. In all things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation is able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because God won't let them. The next part of that song says, but I have seen you part the waters when no one else could pull me from the deep. That's who you are to me. We've all had those times in our lives that are deep and we have been in a pit and the only one who could find us there was God. I'd like you to think about a question. What is a moment in time when you knew that you knew that you knew God was real to you. That he was moving on your behalf. A lot of us can say, oh, there's so many. But there's a moment in time when God revealed himself to you so clearly that there is no other explanation. The one in my life came in January of 2000. I took Joshua to the hospital because we gave him some immunizations. He was running a fever, couldn't get the fever down. News is all saying it's a horrible year, the flu is everywhere, whatever you do, don't go to the hospital, don't go to the ER unless it is a life and death emergency, you're going to be there for days. So all night I argued with Brad and Joshua and God, I'm not taking this kid to the hospital, I don't care if he can't, we can't get the fever down, I'm not taking it, they're saying don't go to the hospital. So around 4 o'clock in the morning I finally was like, apparently we're going to the hospital. So off I packed my kid and 
Josh, Brad got to stay at home with Allison, and I take Joshua to the hospital. And we get there, and in grand parenting format, they weigh him, and he weighs like three ounces more than I thought he did, and he should have been getting a higher dose of Advil and Tylenol. So the nurse gives him a dose of Advil, and within 15 minutes, his fever is down. And I am feeling like a really amazing parent. But they put us back in a room, and she says, we'll come in and we'll check on you in an hour, and if his fever's still down, we'll send you home. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, this is one of those days that you just wish you could wear a mask and not recognize any of these nurses or doctors again. So she comes back in an hour, and his fever is fine. We didn't even see a doctor. We, but I went to change his diaper, and his diaper looked like somebody poured purple Kool-Aid in his diaper. Why is it purple? So I said to the nurse, I know we've been giving him a lot of Pedialyte, and it's been purple, so is that why? Sh- I don't know. Let me go check with the doctor. So the doctor comes in, and he looks at it, and he says, huh, let's go for an ultrasound. We do. And the doctor is waiting for us at the door of the room when we come walking back from getting an ultrasound. How many of you know that that's a bad sign because doctors take a long time to read an ultrasound? And so I walked back in and he says to me, he has a tumor in his left kidney. We're sending, we're admitting him. I've already contacted his pediatrician. And I'm thinking, I'm here because I don't know how much he weighs. I'm not sure what you're talking about but we're going home, he's just having a reaction to an immunization. Well, three hours later, we were admitted to not Saginaw's Hospital, but we were admitted to Flint Hurley because the doctor also came back and said, oops, our pediatrician, our pediatric surgeon is off. We need to have him in surgery as soon as possible. Do you want to go to Flint Hurley? Children's Medical in Detroit or U of M, Michigan. And I'm like, he has a fever from an immune. What are you talking about? So I picked Flint Hurley because I have a brother in Flint and Brad has a brother in Flint. And I don't know, I just randomly picked Flint because I'm still going home because he doesn't have a fever anymore. And I don't know what you're talking about. So we go to Flint And an oncologist walks in and he says, oh, he's got a Wilms tumor on his left kidney, doesn't he? I can tell his left side is smaller than his right side. No, it's not. Well, apparently he can tell that it is. Nobody else in the universe could tell that, but he can see it because he happens to be one of only two Wilms tumor specialists in the United States. And he is centered out of Hurley Medical Center. I'm thinking that might have been a God moment, but at this time I can't process any of that. I'm just rolling along. So Josh has uh, surgery first thing the next morning. And beforehand, they said to us, well, there's blood in the urine. So we're going to say he's at a stage four. It's ruptured. The internal organs have been exposed. So we're looking at two years of radiation and a year of chemotherapy, if we can save him. It's a hard thing to hear. He's nine months old. I mean, he's a baby. 
How does this happen? So the surgeon comes out. Well, you know, they, they give you the, there's three parts to the, there's four parts to the surgery. And if we say, okay, he's going into part four, it means we're putting in the med port and we've confirmed that it's cancerous. So, of course, we're still in this world of God is going to heal him, everything is going to be fine, and we are not going to need to worry about stage four of putting in the med port until it comes over and says, Joshua Williams, we're beginning stage four. Okay, that wasn't a prayer that God answered. Guess we're going for chemotherapy. So, the surgeon comes out and says, you know, I'd like to talk to the family of Joshua Williams. Well, if you know anything about Brad's family, it's enormous. And they were all with us. So he says that, and I am not kidding you, about 57 people in the waiting room all stood up. And he went, whoa, I'm just taking the parents. <laughs> so we go in in the conference with the doctor, and he says, this is most interesting thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never had this happen before. You were standing in the emergency room when the interior lining of the kidney stretched to the point that it began to bleed. It is fully encased within the kidney. 18 weeks of chemo, he'll be fine. That is a moment in time that God put me in a place for that boy to be diagnosed with a difference of the interior lining of the kidney began to bleed and that's the blood we saw versus the kidney had ruptured and there was blood all through the internal organs and that was what we saw. It was a moment in time that I know God put me in a place to know that I know that I know that God's hand was on that child. A few months later, I'm in, he's having a reaction to some of his chemo, and I'm back at Saginaw, and I'm telling some of the history, and the guy comes back to me, and he says, you know, I don't know if you realize how fortunate you are, but because of the immense need in the ER in January, when you came in, you saw the head of our emergency department. You didn't see a resident. You didn't see, you saw the head of our emergency department. Any of the rest of us would have said to you, oh, a little blood, eh, no big deal. Probably a urinary tract infection. Go on home. Here's some medicine. But the head of the ER knew that a nine-month-old boy would not have a urinary tract infection. And he sent him for an ultrasound and found it. That is God. There is no other explanation. You can't set in motion the number of things that God set in motion in that moment. So every time I look at Joshua, I think, God is on my side. I know it. Although I do want you to know there's still a lot of times that when Joshua's not in front of me, I think, God, are you even on my side? Because that's reality for humans, right? That is us. And we can't condemn ourselves when we think that because that's just human nature. What we do have to do is go back to the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay that show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. 
Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. We go through times where we are pressed and crushed and barely getting through. And we carry about with us the death of Jesus Christ. But that is because we carry with us the life of Jesus Christ. The song, the chorus of the song goes on, You're amazing. You're faithful. Love's open door. When I'm empty, you fill me with hunger for more of your mercy and your goodness. Lord, you're the air that I breathe. That's who you are to me. That's who you are to me. That needs to be the cry of our heart. That is who God is to us. Verse 2, some people think you just live in cathedrals made of stone, but I know you live inside my heart. I know that it's your home. Acts 1 tells us you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Ooh. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. What does that mean, that you together? That's not a singular you, that's plural. That is God and us together. We are the temple of God. I don't want to be one who destroys his temple living inside of me because it says if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. We are the temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. I believe we need to respect the price that Jesus paid for each one of us. Ezekiel. This is a foretelling of what is going to happen after Christ, but listen to this. In Ezekiel 36, 23, Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He resides within us. The song goes on, and I've seen you in a sunset and in the eyes of a stranger on the street. That's who you are to me. The Bible is full of verses that tell us that God is in his creation and that all creation reveals himself to to us. John 1, 3, through him all things were made. Without him, 
nothing was made that has been made. Job, I love this. But ask the animals. And they will teach you. Or the birds in the sky, they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Psalm 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. All of creation tells us that God is. And then our song comes back to the chorus. You're amazing, faithful, love's open door. When I'm empty, you fill me with hunger for more of your mercy your goodness, Lord, you're the air that I breathe. That's who you are to me. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is one of my favorite verses. I pray it over myself. I pray it over others all the time because one of the things that is essential is that God guards our heart and our minds from ourselves, from the things we can say to ourselves about who we are. Isaiah forty thirty one. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The reason that I listen to a lot of Christian music is not because God needs to hear me singing praise. It is because I need the constant renewal, the encouragement of the songs. I need that. It puts me back in a place to understand who God is to me personally. The psalm, the memory verse for this week is Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. How many of you have ever thought, I lift my eyes to the sunset. I lift my eyes to the waves of the ocean. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Because God is the maker of heaven and earth. He announces himself in his creations. All of nature calls his name. But so do all of us. We are part of his creation. And we call out his name. We're going to do communion today. So is Scott and Ruth sing this song that I've just dissected. 
I'd like to ask you to really reflect. Who is God to you? Open your heart. Let Him show you any areas of your heart that you have not released to Him. Or where you have not forgiven Him for creating you the way He did. You are enough and He loves you exactly as He created you. God is with us. Amen.